All right, I want to ask you something. Do you know who you invested in? Okay, I'll, I'll rephrase that a little bit. I don't mean which asset manager or which portfolio manager did you just ask to invest your money for you. That is important. You should know who that person is. I mean more like who is in your portfolio, who is actually in your portfolio. Did you just invest in a group of delightfully bright, highly empathetic people who are stewards of your capital? They shower you with hugs and unicorns and rainbows. Or did you give your money to a bunch of self-interested sharks who are supposed to watch out for your interests, but let's be honest, they're self-interested sharks. Really what I'm asking is, did you invest in assholes who share your views of what's important or assholes who don't? So there was a study in 2018, basically no one read, uh, virtually zero citations, but I read it. Um, and they looked at something called director centrality. It uses social network analysis on board members. It's something I recreated using a massive dump of board member data for every traded company in the world. The study shows that board members transmit ideas just like your stupid uncle sending Trump memes that say Bill Gates is trying to implant a microchip in your pinky toe. It showed that board members are, this should come as no surprise, human. When a board member comes from a company culture where they manage earnings, meaning they use accounting shenanigans to make earnings look a certain way, not necessarily to reflect reality, but to reflect what they want, they can bring that culture with them. It's worth saying it might actually be that same board member forwarding the Bill Gates pinky meme. I don't actually know. But how do you know? Did you invest in a viral board member whose cultural calling card is restating financials? Or did you invest in one of those mythical and delightful, empathetic, smarty pants board members who do nothing but grow earnings and be sustainable? Uh, that last one is probably not real. But how do you know? That's the question. And what you're going to hear now is a conversation I had with Mike DiCibeto, a friend of the pod, host of the MSCI ESG Now podcast. This is our back and forth. I was on the ESG Now podcast talking about this because the study, which was released in June of 2018 in the Journal of Applied Economics, it's by professors Gadigby and Liu, narrowly focused on earnings quality. But that's too narrow and boring for me. I wanted to map other viruses, ESG viruses. It's virustopia. We're in COVID land. Why not? And unsurprisingly, what I found is the world is full of them. Why is this research kind of new in, in the way it's doing things? I mean, I would think if you have a bad teammate, they're going to infect your team. Was this kind of not common knowledge before, or did people kind of ignore the possibility of it? Uh, it's, I don't think they ignored it. I think it's, it's sort of anecdotal, but now you can sort of statistically show transmission, right? Like this, So the difference is, you know, you could say that company ABC um, had poor earnings quality, but you didn't think about company, you know, XYZ as having poor earnings quality 
simply because of the behavioral transmission of that cultural attribute um, through board members or through executives. You thought of it as like these these are sort of idiosyncratic companies and they have their management styles and whatever. But it turns out like when you when you sort of tribally link behavioral traits and board members to each other, what you end up finding is, you know, certain board members bring these things to companies. It can spread. So so knowing the interlocking aspects of board members actually allows you to sort of pay attention to whether or not company XYZ is at risk of, you know, changing, switching over or at risk of having poor earnings quality in when you don't know it simply by looking at the sort of makeup of the board. It's like looking at an NBA team, right? Like when you add, you know, Chris Paul to your team, you sort of know what you're getting, but you also, you know, like we can measure, there are measurables to say, you know, if you add Chris Paul, you're likely to get X, but if you add Dwight Howard, you're likely to get Y. The same thing is true of boards, and now you can pay attention to that. Like statistically, you can say they come from this network of people where these traits are, you know, more evident. Does that mean I should be worried about them now? And I can give you like a concrete example, right? Because we're in the middle of doing research that's like concrete around this to, to make sense of it. So I took all the board members from the MSCI, ACWI, IMI, basically every board member in the tradable universe for the most part. And I mapped them to each other uh, and ran this sort of statistical analysis behind interconnectivity and centrality for those board members. And what you see when you actually separate them into these sort of tribes and there's a there's a statistical thing called modularity that you use to sort of um, create these communities. Nobody really cares about what that's called, but but effectively what you see is so for one particular tribe, okay, um, they they tend to have nearly one and a half times more restatements than um, your average board member of you know the MSCI world. Now it's hard to say that that's like a behavioral attribute, but that's a that's kind of a marker of risk, right? Like why does this tribe? Why does everybody from this tribe, of which there are a you know, a thousand people in this tribe, you know, why do they restate their financials one and a half times more than the average board member? And it may be a couple of companies and maybe a couple of outliers, but really what it tells you is I need to investigate who these people are and whether or not this is transmittable, whether or not like these people are responsible or transmitting poor behavioral attributes or cultural attributes that lead to restatements or whether it's an, an anomaly. It just gives you that place to start. Is Raytheon on there? Yeah. So Raytheon, um, so the board members of Raytheon are interesting. Raytheon is a government, um, a highly, you know, reliant on government contracts. There's a necessary level of interlocking that happens with government agencies often, you know, lobbying, they have, you know, they often have companies like Raytheon have like, you know, army, you know, ex-military on their board um, or or diplomats because you need some government connects. But when you look at Raytheon's board in particular, there are people that sort of stand out. So Raytheon in general is depending on the measure you use of sort of centrality, you know, their board members, they are anywhere between um, uh 
200, um, like 70 and 200% more connected, uh, as board members to other boards. They, they have, they, they tend to be a sort of central entity. So the question to ask is like, well, what tribe do a lot of these board members belong to? And is there something that I should know about it? And the short answer is, um, the, the, the grouping on Raytheon's board, they tend to see, they, they tend to have, um, they sit on boards where the CEO, um, is disproportionately also the chair. And that's some, that's saying something because in the U.S., the CEOs, a lot of CEOs are chair. But, um, in Raytheon's case, um, a lot of the directors sit on boards where this is, um, way outside even the norm for the U.S. It's, it's something like 16 times more. Um, uh, CEOs as chairs. When you get into it, this is the fundamental argument against social media, right? Like when you do network analysis about behavioral transmission of ideas and you realize how infectious an idea can be, all you need to do is be one Russian troll and infect the network and watch it spread. Like the, the fascinating. But these aren't part, just ideas. Oh, go on, go on, go on. Well, no, the fat, the fascinating part about like the using social media analysis and social network analysis on boards is we already know it to be true in social networks that memes are difficult to stop. They spread quickly. Um, you can sow disinformation and it takes very limited energy because the idea itself becomes viral quickly. But the, the idea of viral is very much about tr- transmission networks, right? The same is true for directors. It, it makes sense. It's human behavior. So make the connection here. I think if when people listen to this, accounting sounds more to the layman, it sounds more concrete. You have an asset, you have a debt. Connect that to how earnings qualities can be infected in the same way ideas can be infected because ideas seem, you know, subjective while earnings qualities might seem objective. Well, think about the number of decisions that have to be made in order to get yourself to that comfortable accounting, right? Like, so when you're accounting for something, you have to make assumptions about, you know, what's the depreciation? Like, what's the intangible value of a thing? Like, how do we account for accruals? There's all sorts of little assumptions you have to make. The best example of this is actually like uh, my neighbor up the street who was an accountant and worked for a major corporation. Um, they were going to dig up their parking lot um, and lay down new blacktop. And they had to go all the way up to the comptroller of the company, basically the CFO, and ask, is this a capital improvement, meaning are we improving the value of this asset or is this maintenance? We're just replacing the blacktop because we need to maintain it. Those are separate accounting buckets. And the answer that he got was if you dig more than four inches into the ground, we'll call it a capital improvement. Now, there's no study that says – Four inches into the ground is a capital improvement. That's total make-believe, right? But that's the assumption. You have to make a choice somewhere about what bucket to put this money in. And when you add those little assumptions up over the course of a company, over the course of a year, over the course of a decade, you're talking about a massive amount of sort of potentially not bad, 
but misleading numbers or numbers that are sort of fudged to look a certain way or, or, or assumptions that you could challenge very, very easily. There's no math or science behind it. So when people think of accounting, they think this is boring. I think it's funny because I think you pull this stuff out and that is transmissible, right? Like that CFO can go sit on a board and say, back at the company I used to work for, we made a, uh, you know, a, we made a, a rule that four inches into the ground was a capital improvement. And when the, when someone, the CEO is asking the board, how should we think of this as a major capital improvement or as an expense? That idea might ring out. That's how those ideas are transmissible. That was our show. I'm Matt Muscardi from Free Float Media. Big thanks to Mike and the ESG Now podcast for talking to us. Uh, Mike's a friend of the show. We came from the ESG Now podcast. If you haven't checked it out, you absolutely should. And thanks to listening to us, because if you like what you heard, you can subscribe, you can share, you can do all the good stuff. We'll be back in a few weeks with more ESG insight and analysis that hopefully, hopefully doesn't bore you to death. Talk to you then.